Hey, this is Chew On That, and here's what we're chewing on today. We live in a world with so much pressure, cultural pressure and peer pressure, financial pressure and relational pressure. There's just so much pressure. And pressure can do one of two things. It can either make you or it can break you. You know, if you put glass under pressure, it'll break. But if you put carbon under pressure, you're going to make a diamond. Now, some of you, you're used to the pressure. We all know people like this, people who seem to live from crisis to crisis, from drama to drama. But for others, your life wasn't under pressure until right now. You weren't under any pressure until you got semi-quarantined. So now you don't know what to do or what to say. You, you don't know how to treat each other or how to talk to each other. You don't know how to be around each other for such an extended period of time because you don't have your buffer. You don't have your daily escape of school or work. And so, so the pressure has been mounting. The pressure has been increasing. What I wonder is, is that pressure gonna make you or is it gonna break you? I wanna talk about that today for a few minutes. I wanna talk about the path from pressure to peace. Hey, hi, welcome to the Chew on That podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, so glad that you guys are joining us today. Today, uh, as always, we're gonna go through um, the message uh, from Sunday to rehash it, rethink it, regurgitate it, uh, to see if we can find something deeper, something um, more meaningful that we might have lost. Uh, our guests today are actually, it's a, a special guest uh, because there's two of them. It's uh, it's my friends Isaiah and Aubrey Hennessy. Say hi, you guys. Hi. They're totally here. And so I'm, ex- I'm excited that they're here. They're super dressed up for the podcast, which <laughs> is really funny and I love it. Um, and I'm glad that you guys are here. Just, I thought maybe uh, you could just introduce yourself a little bit like just like what's like who are you you know what i mean like i say if you could go first like just say like if you say hey my name is isaiah hennessy then what happens if you meet someone new so uh i'm isaiah hennessy i'm a 16 year old football player is like my what i would say i love football and just sports in general um yeah i just just like to have fun with my friends and that's me awesome i'm aubrey i'm big into singing. I really like anything involving music. That's awesome. I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of questions for you, like as pastor's kids, right? That's a big deal just in and of itself to be a PK. But I wonder like, I mean, like Sean and Sonny, like mom and dad are like such huge personalities. And so like, it's hard to imagine that those two personalities can even fit into your house. And then both of you have big personalities as well. And so like, like, I wonder like, I don't know, that's gotta be crazy. So one thing I wonder myself is like, I know that Sean is constantly uh, working on his message. Like he'll, if you are in a car ride with him or if you're in a phone call with him and he's thinking about something for his message, I feel like sometimes he like test drives parts of his message. Is it, is that what it's like at home? Does it, does it feel like, are you guys in on any of it as he's preparing during the week? Uh, I'd say it definitely depends on the week. So if you remember maybe a week or two ago that we had, might've been two weeks, it was he asked us what we think love is. And so we talked about that. And so he asked us for a part of his message, but most of the time he usually secludes himself and kind of just gets in the mood to make a message, gets close with God, kind of listens to that type of worship and um, kind of sets it up so that he can fully uh, show and tell everyone what God wants him to tell. But I feel like 
if he talks to people like us, maybe for certain messages, we won't give the right examples because what we want to say is based on our lives and what God wants to say is based on what people need. Mm, interesting. So I would say it depends on the week, but usually not really. Usually he kind of does his own thing. So what is it? I mean, like if you know that he's working on something either in his office or in his man loft, <laughs> yeah. like, like what does it, what does it look like if you like stumble in there or bother him? Is it like, He's like, get the heck out of here. I'm going to totally rah, rah, rah. Like, what is, like, what does that look like? Um, he usually tells us that he's about to go work on his message. So it's very rare that we will walk in on him. But when we do, he's usually pretty good about it. Like, he doesn't really care. He'll talk to us. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah I love that. I love that. Okay, so we're going to jump in and uh, and revisit some of the, some of, I guess, what were my favorite or most um, compelling thoughts uh, from this last week's messages. So uh, let's just jump in and we're going to listen to one clip just starting right now. I wonder what does your pressure push you to? Does it push you to panic or does it push you to press in? I wonder what's the pulp that's being produced by your pressure? You know, this idea of how pressure uh, is a motivator, right? To either panic or to prepare or to pray. And, you know, this COVID thing that's happening is like, none of us know what we're doing. Like I remember as a kid thinking that my dad always knew what was happening. Like he was like, nothing would surprise my dad. And so as a father now, I'm like, I have no idea what to expect out of this. Like every day is something new. And so I was thinking last week, um, I was worried about like my, our house. I was worried about like our home and our home and our household income and like where money would come from. Like what if, you know, our money goes away. And so like I scrambled and started uh, looking for work, like as though like I was like 18 and I needed a job. And so I was, I interviewed at uh, the Costco and it was super weird to be 53 and interviewing for a cashier's job. And, but I just felt like it was the responsible thing to do because I was, I was afraid. I was fearful. And so I interviewed and they called me right back and they said, you got the job. When can you start? And I said, I can start on Monday. And then I told my wife what I had done. And she was like, Scott, you can't run. You're 53, man. You can't run carts for $15 an hour. Like, what do you? And, you know, it's like, it's like, it was, it was like a slap in the face. And I remembered that I was freaking out on Tuesday and I made it all the way till Thursday before praying about it. Like the, that the pressure caused me to panic. And like, I know that that's, I mean, it's different for adults than it is for young adults, but I'm wondering like, you know, for you guys, is there, does the, does this virus thing cause a pressure for you or is there, you know, is there, are there other ways that you're feeling pressure right now, like not being in school or how to be a good friend or how to be, you know, whatever, is there pressure that's happening in your life where you're like getting put up against it? Yeah, there's a, there's a huge pressure. I feel like for, for us, maybe not as much for adults cause they have to provide for their families, but for teens, I know for, uh, a lot of people that are athletes, there's the pressure of it's my senior year, my sports getting canceled. I can't go to a college and they were, they were close to it and they were maybe going to get a full ride their senior year. And then they have to try and freak out about, uh, getting that money for college or how that's all going to work out in the late run. So for me, I, I definitely think, I mean, we're, I'm a sophomore and I was a freshman, so we don't have to worry about like where we're going to go after this. But for a lot of kids now doing online school is definitely a challenge because they have to kind of focus up. Like if they want to get 
scholarships for sports or just for school, it's a big thing where if their GPA could drop, they lose scholarship, where do they go to college? How do they make money when there's no work? So I, I definitely think it's the this close to the same thing, but definitely not as effective as adults, not just because we don't have to provide. Usually our parents provide for us, but I would say so, yeah. Verse 30. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? And I, I picture myself as Jairus. Like, can, can you imagine if you're him? Like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Why, why are we stopping? We, we don't have time for this. My little daughter, she's dying. This woman's been sick for 12 years. She's, she's struggled with this for 12 years. Can, can't we just wait? Like maybe one more hour. Can't we just heal my daughter? Can, like, can she come? She's welcome to my home. Can she come with us? So Sean here is talking uh, about um, the story in the Bible, the account where uh, where there's a synagogue leader who comes to Jesus and say, hey, my baby girl is super duper sick. Can you p- come please help her? He's like, yeah, certainly. I'll come by you. And then he's on his way to go see this girl who's sick. And on the way is the... The woman with a, a with like a blood or a bleeding disorder or something. I, it's still really super mysterious to me. I have no idea what that even means. Like, what does a blood disorder mean? But anyway, so like she's like too scared to make a big deal of it. So she just reaches out and like touches the hem of his garment, and you know he feels the power of God coming out of him, and it heals her. And anyway, all that is what's happening in the story that Sean's telling. And and. I love that Sean, one of the things that I love so much about Sean is like, sometimes I just read through the Bible and I read the story as the story and I forget about the whole context of what's happening. And I love how Sean sort of like, um, you know, pantomimes, like what would Jairus's response to this be like, wait a minute, hang on, bleeding lady. You just like, you've been out here for 12 years being all bleedy. Could you just bleed for just one more hour while I go and get my kid fixed? And like that would totally be my response. Like, I, like in a time of pressure, I need to get it done now. I need to, I need to, I need to address the panic now because if I just let it go, you know, it could get worse. And I feel like that's the part in my life where I don't always lean into God. I don't always, you know, rely on Him or trust Him to be taking care of it. And I wonder, you know. For you guys, is there, you know, is there is there a way in your life where like sometimes you don't relinquish control? You know, like like with schoolwork, like if you're really crappy at a particular subject, or is there any, you know, or whatever, is there a way that you just kind of like lean in and like you're like try keep trying to address it yourself and you forget like you've got the superhero that's right into your backpack and all you have to do is just like trust him. Does that ever has that ever happen in your life? Yeah, I feel like a lot of the time if you have an issue, people will be like, just read your Bible, just pray, go to church. But like a lot of the time, like that's not the case. People will like skim over that, that that's really as simple as it is. You just need to lean into God and like give everything to him. So like, it's just really easy to just completely forget about him in those moments of panic. And just as easy to like lean back in. Right. I mean, if I, if I'm listening to you, right. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like with like like the Costco thing. Like I feel like why would that be my first response? But you know, in my in my life I've always I've always had situations where I've failed and I I feel like I'm just a complete failure all the time and so like if I'm on the brink of failure, I'm going to do anything I can to not fail. 
because I believe who I convinced myself I was. Like I, I believe my stories about myself or I believe what other people might have said about me. So if there's pressure that I'm going to fall back into whatever it is I think that I am and not who God says I am, that that's where I feel pressure. I feel like I've got to fix it. And so, you know, he's just, he's just, I mean, more than or easier than even a phone call away, right? It's just like, I don't know. He's been so faithful in my life that way. I can just picture Jairus collapsing and crying, his guys trying to carry him off so that he can bury his daughter, prepare his daughter that day. But I picture Jairus swatting him off and, and shooing him away and saying, no, they that wait upon the Lord, he'll renew their strength. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint in the darkest moment of his life. He didn't skip out. He stayed. He stayed with Jesus. And watch what happens. I picture Jairus collapsing under the pressure of this news that his daughter has died. And Jesus sees him collapse. Jesus sees him crumble out of the corner of his eye. And he says, oh, no, Jairus. Listen, friend. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I love how Jairus' people, like, so that would be his family and his friends. Like, I like how they, they come out to find Jairus and say, oh, too late, you guys. She's already dead. You might as well just forget about it. Don't keep bothering Jesus because she's gone. Like, I'm like, like, sometimes I feel like my friends are like that. that the people that are around me, when I was a kid, uh, my dad uh, would always tell me, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. And I always thought that was like a really cheesy thing that my dad would just say. And really was really was saying was that like surround yourself with the people that you want to be surround yourself with people who have the characteristics that you want or are chasing goals like you want to chase or, you know, have ambitions that you have. Because if, if, if you don't do that, I'm mixing like 16 different analogies here, but I remember when I was first going to buy my house and I was looking at this really great house in this really crappy neighborhood. And my brother was like, don't ever be it by the best house in a crappy neighborhood because then like, their their the value of their homes aren't going to go up because yours is a nice home. Your the value of your house is going to go down because you're surrounded by crappy houses. And so, like, I feel like it's kind of the same advice. Like, if we surround ourselves with crappy people, the value, the home value for us is going to go down. Like, we're not going to bring everybody else's prices up by being surrounded by crappy people. That the best way to do is like. I don't know, be the crappiest person in a great neighborhood because then, I don't know, you get in on the ground floor. Some, I don't know. Like, I just feel like our friends are so important. And having friends that love us and love Jesus is really, really important. And not, not that we should, like, exclude friends that don't know Jesus or exclude friends that aren't chasing after Jesus. But we for sure, for sure rely on those kind of people for guidance or advice or for companionship that like, I don't want Jairus's friends that were like, ah, forget it. She's, you might as well just leave them alone now because she's already gone. Like I want friends that are encouraging or that will weep with me or that will hope with me. And like, how hard is like, how hard is that to find, you know, in high school? Like how hard is it to find friends that are like that? It's really difficult. Cause I mean, even if I don't feel like there's, an overly abundant amount of people that are uh, Jesus people that are vocal about it. I think there's a lot of people that love Jesus and know about Jesus and follow Jesus, but I don't think that people are vocal about it. For for example, my school, there's when you are one of those people, it's known. So like we're known that our parents are pastors and other people are known as church kids or something like that. So it's definitely known, but the people that aren't vocal about it, you won't know. So 
I mean, I mean, it's hard to find those exact type of friends. So like if we tried to find friends who are exactly like us, it's pretty impossible because they don't have pastors as their parents or different stuff like that. But finding good friends is it's difficult. But when you do find them, I think it's a, it's easy to lean into them and to find like refuge, I would say, in them. And I actually have uh, it's kind of a long story, but I'll sum it down. I had I have a friend and we were all hanging out this one night. We went in his car. We were driving around, and then there's this big there's this big jump. So there's this road, and it's straight, and then there's a huge divot, and it goes like up and then down, and then straight again. So they would they would go super fast, and they would jump over top of it. So we went over it one time, and we didn't get any air. We weren't going fast enough. Wait, whose car is this? Just so I, I get the complete. It's picture. his mom. It's my friend's okay. right. mom's car. Okay. All so right. we were in his mom's car. We jumped it. We didn't get much, that much air, so we just we were done with it. We came back with more people. We had we were, we were breaking restrictions. We, I don't know if I should have said that, but we were breaking restrictions. And he was in his dad's car this time. His dad's pickup, and it was. Wait, so he went back and got a different car. Is this well, a different, different day? Different day, but he's right. driving a different car. It's bigger. It's a it's a pickup truck. It's a a Ram. So it's, it was pretty new. And so they we hit it. They hit it twice. I got out of the car because I knew it was trouble. Luckily, I did. So I got out of the car. They did it twice. Didn't get much air. So finally, they get they get five guys in the car. Uh, there's like four of us, like on this bump, like on the sides of it, watching. And they go and they hit 104 miles per hour. At the they time. did not. They hit 104. <laughs> and when they hit the jump, it was 93, and they went flying. And they, they he totaled his dad's car, his pickup. So he crashed it with five dudes in the car. And so the guys went running off, and nobody was hurt, luckily. But I dad, my my dad, I told him my because I was like, I don't want this to. I don't want somebody else to tell him. So I told him and he was he was upset for sure. And but and he was glad that I wasn't in the car, but it was a fit he was saying this exactly what you said. Show me your friends. I'll, sh- I'll show you my future. And so it's kind of who do you want to be leading you because they they my parents have said this. If is it easier to pick up two bad people or is it easier for two good people to pick up one bad person? Mm. So definitely I would say that is stick with the right group when you find them and then you can be friends with the other people. You just can't refuge in them. Like I said, yeah. the good people. Yeah. I dig that. Aubrey, I'm wondering, sorry. So the other, the other half of that, you know, cliche saying is that when you're involved with a person or involved with people, either you're going to change who they are or they're going to change who you are. And so you're in your freshman year, right? Finishing up your freshman year. Like do you see the evidence of that. Have you seen, like your friends change one way or another? Have you seen like maybe even how you see things change one way or another? Yes, for sure. I was at the beginning of this school year, I started hanging out with this like really bad crowd, like not good people. And they completely changed me. Like I started sneaking around and hiding things from my parents and like, just like different than I've ever been in my life. Like I was just, I became like a bad kid. Like, to say the least, it was terrible. And I was just like, I'm having fun. Like, they're nice to me. Like, they're good people. But, like, deep down I knew they weren't good people. And, yeah, they just completely changed who I was as a person. And so I got grounded so I wasn't able to hang out with them. So I kind of drifted from them. Like, not willingly, but thank God that happened because after I became ungrounded, I just, like, stopped hanging out with them because they kind of moved on from me. And I I now have, like, amazing friends. They all go to church. Like, 
we're all like we have the same beliefs like me and my whole friend group so it's just like it's become really easy to be like open about my faith and I've definitely gone back to who I was if not better than who I was before so like it's crazy how just like in like probably six months Mm. one group has changed me for the worst. And now that I'm with good people, I'm already better than I was before. That's fantastic. I love that. Listen, sometimes in the deepest, darkest moments of our lives, it's easy to let depression, it's easy to let desperation set in. But in those times, we need to realize sometimes when things seem like they're falling apart, they're really just falling into place. So yesterday I had the chance to... Uh, monitor uh, Facebook and Clearstream for our online services. And I'd, I'd never been part of the text Clearstream thing where people could like text in prayer requests or whatever. And I was um, astounded by the number of people who wrote in talking about their lives falling apart or talking about how they just don't see how they could live anymore. And I, I mean, I, as a, <clears throat> So in my life, I've, I've been to that place. I've been in places where it's like, you know, it'd just be a lot easier if I just drove into a telephone pole. It'd be a lot easier if, you know. And um, and actually, just the other day, maybe last week, I, I made a post on the Facebook. Um, are you guys on the Facebook? I'm not. On yeah, the I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, so I made a post about how I suspect that suicidal people aren't looking for a way or aren't wanting to end their lives as much as they are just wanting to end the pain that they aren't like, they, it's not like they don't want to live anymore. They just don't want to hurt anymore. And I feel like there are so many people right now and that's compounded by this virus thing. It's compounded by isolation. It's compounded by anxiety. It's compounded by not having anything else to do that, you know, this depression can like get even deeper and, you know, like, so, People will, I mean, people even joke about it on social media, like, oh, I'm going to go to the liquor store or I'm going to, you know, whatever. And like, not that there's anything wrong with drinking or, you know, whatever, like have a glass of wine if it helps you relax or whatever. But sometimes people like want to disappear into a bottle of vodka. They want to disappear into a, I don't know, 16 joints. I don't know how many joints you can. I'm looking at Isaiah right now, hoping that he's not going to answer the question. But oh, I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, like I don't, I mean, people are just like looking for a way to end the pain. If only just for a night, if they could just end the pain for a night. And so like Sean's talking about like how when we things are, feel like things are falling apart, maybe they're actually falling together. And I just, you know, what do you guys think about that? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that I have been depressed because I feel like saying you're depressed is a very clinical, big thing. It's like, uh, I just, I just don't feel like I was enough to say that, but, uh, sixth grade, I'm going to use another story, but at sixth grade, I was at probably my lowest and it was just a bunch of stuff compounded together. I was, I switched to a different middle school and it was just not a good place. It was ghetto I would say like just a lot of people were not really nice and so I was just having a rough time there and then I was having a rough time at home just uh, I don't know I was it was a struggle to get through the day like it was just there was nothing to look forward to so then I left the school and eventually I switched schools and like you said falling into place my life felt like it was falling apart I was I had always been the happy person always the 
everything's good, everything's joyful. And then I got to that point and it was like, I, I'm not having fun. I'm not, I don't know what to laugh or I, I don't have anybody right now that I can like lean into. So I do, it fell apart, I thought, but it was actually falling into place. And so I switched schools and I got, I met a ton of people at my new school at, uh, and it was just, it was great. Seventh and eighth grade. It was awesome. Some of the best years of my life. And then, uh, met new people, went to high school with them. And I mean, I've just made friends for life. And so it all, like, I mean, it just felt like it was falling, but it was falling into place, like you said. And so that's, that's a big thing for me. And I, I know for Aubrey, there was a time too, and she can elaborate on that too. Yeah. I also have a story. Um, there, this is the same kind of ties in with what I said about the last thing with getting with the wrong crowd. Um, I got grounded for four months about, I think three or four months. I don't know. I got grounded from doing things and from my phone. So I really just, I did nothing. Like I laid around and I thought, and I looked at walls and I went to school. Like that was it. And I just like, I continued to like sneak around, like find an iPad or a computer that I could somehow email someone off of because they changed my social media passwords. So like I could like somehow find a way to email someone and have them pick me up tonight and sneak out of the house, you know, like it was just a really bad time. And I thought that I was like thriving because I was having fun and because it was like an adrenaline rush to like sneak around and do the wrong thing. But like, I don't know, like I got caught every time, like immediately, because God was just looking out for me. And I just continued to make bad decisions and lose trust from my parents and get grounded for longer. And like, just like everything was falling apart. I was losing friends. People at school were thinking I was a bad kid. And my grades were slipping. My relationship with my brother and my parents and my aunt and everything was slipping. It was just like really bad for me. And I was like, even when I'm not grounded anymore, how do I get everybody's trust back? Like, how does how do you just recover from something so bad that you've been doing for such a long amount of time? And it was just like, this is just who I am now and I'm going to be lonely. But then I met some people and like reunited with some close friends that I had lost after I like got ungrounded and started talking to people again. And I've literally never been happier. Like I have amazing people in my life that all push me to be a better person and to talk about God more and to lean into him. And it's like everything fell apart for a reason. And I learned so much from that experience of doing things wrong that now it's just like everything is great. Yeah, I love that. I also love how you refer to it as being ungrounded. You're like yeah. Dwight Schrute and shun, unshun. Do you guys watch The Office at yeah. all? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's good stuff. On this path from pressure to peace, we need to understand what do we need to put out of our homes. We need to put out pressure. We need to put out despair. We need to put out depression. We need to put out doubt and disbelief in this time of being shut up in our homes. What are we letting in and what are we chasing out? Friends, we need to let love in and chase frustration out. We need to let hope in and chase fear out. We need to let Jesus in and chase the devil out. We control the atmosphere of our homes. No one else. So, you know, as we said at the top, I just feel like there's so much different, you know, in this 
situation, this crisis where like we're locked into our homes. And so like, I wonder at, at your house, is anything different at your house? I mean, is, is family time look different? Does your personal time look different? We, we played board games, which I don't feel like we're to that point with COVID-19 yet, but our parents do. So we, uh, we played Scrabble, which I, I actually won. Just no, no big, no big deal. 136 points I scored. Wait, I got. How was there? Like, how was it not winning? I, like, because he didn't win. I literally did. I have a picture. Oh, I thought I won. Oh, so but Jillian. the thing about Scrabble is it's both like a letter game and a numbers game, and so like there's addition and subtraction. <laughs> and kind of thing. That's so, why. <laughs> that's why she doesn't know who won. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you played Scrabble. Yeah. Do you, are you played, playing card games and stuff? We haven't played card games yet. We'll we'll get there. I we bet. We played Yahtzee. Yes, we did play Yahtzee. I didn't understand that one either. <laughs> she she actually none I of actually us knew won she won. won. I won. She got Yahtzee. two Yahtzees. Oh, that's awesome. No. So she got like three hundred points. I got last. I actually stormed out of the room. Yeah, he left. <gasps> are you a bad loser? Yeah. I'm not a bad loser. Yes, he is. You <laughs> slammed the door to the basement and didn't come up for the rest of the night. So yeah, well. Maybe I am a sore loser. Yeah, but family time, other than that one moment, has been good. I mean, the board games are fun when we get into them, but we don't want to do them because electronics rule us. But how does your mom land on that? Is it your just your dad that wants to do them, or is your is your mom mad about doing board games too? No, our our mom is the Scrabble one. She's uh, the Scrabble master. She she thinks my dad's the Yahtzee one. Yeah, someone will get a Yahtzee and he like screams at the top of his Yahtzee. Yeah. <laughs> he's so, he's gets, so excited he shakes, about it. He's like, <laughs> boom, drops the dice. We're all like, all right. Get it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's. I love Monopoly. It's like each of us have our game. I love Monopoly. He loves Yahtzee. My mom loves Scrabble. I don't know what Aubrey loves. I think she loves sleeping. But I hate if, board games. <laughs> if that's a game. That's funny. I like I, – it's like it happened organically at my house where um, like my kids are similar to you guys. It, they're just a little bit further apart. And so my daughter is 14 and my son is 11, the ones that are home. And like they don't talk at all. And that actually, if I can – as an aside here, just talk about how much like I respect and admire the relationship that you guys have. Like I love the fact – like I thought maybe like when we first met that that was just because you guys were so young and of course they're going to be friends or whatever. Right. But even as teenagers, right. Like I, like I wish there was a way that I could bottle whatever that was and give it to my kids. Cause it's just, I mean, it's such an important thing, you know, like that bond that you guys have. And it's, it's, it's not just a show. You know, I feel like a lot of people might think that it's a show at church, like a thing, like an air that we put on, but like I've seen you guys like, and not, church situations. I've seen you like at photo shoots and I've seen you, you know, in other places. And it's just like, it's a thing. It's an actual thing. And I love that about you guys. Anyway. Thank so, Thank um, my kids were playing and they were playing like with our dog. We have a big golden doodle and they were like playing this getaway game with my dog. I've never seen them do that. And they were both laughing and giggling and like working together. And I thought that was fantastic. It was just so fun to watch. And then like last night we watched a movie together and like, we haven't had movie time in such a long time because everyone's just so busy doing stuff and like they were in volleyball or soccer or basketball and I'm over here shooting or I'm doing this and my wife's doing something. We just never had time together. So like sometimes I think about this virus and I think about like, if it's like a God reset, like I know that God's bigger than this and it's got a bunch of stuff to do with a bunch of stuff that we'll learn about when we get to heaven. But like sometimes I feel like I wonder if it's like a societal 
reset. Like God's like, okay, well, if you're not going to settle down, I'll just shut everything down. And you guys have to look at each other and play Scrabble with each other yeah. and everything else. And so at least that's how we're going to try to benefit from that. But it makes me think about the things like, like Sean had said about like what we're letting into our house and what we're pushing out of our house. And like, I want to push out of my house this idea of solitariness, solitaire, aloneness. I want to, <laughs> I want to push up. Like, I don't want my daughter just to sit on her bed and look at her phone all day. Or I don't want my son to play Fortnite all night. We don't interact. Like, I just, I don't want that. Like, I love looking at my family. Like, I love looking at my family. So I want that in my house and aloneness to get out. And I want, you know, other stuff. And I know that famously your parents talk quite a bit about like stuff that they've like thrown out of their house. There's no more of this in our house. I feel like, so (laughs) I wish you could have seen their faces. Um, So like, can you talk to that at all? Like, like things that like your parents are like, that's it. We're throwing this out. It's out of the house. No more of this in our house. Like, how does that, how does that look at your house? Man. I mean, there's, our parents have control over everything in our house in some way. And somehow they know everything. They see They're everything. They're literally Nancy Drew. <laughs> like, they figure out everything. It's so – I mean, you can't hide anything without getting caught. And their thing is – what is it? You, your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out <laughs> every time. And it's true. It's crazy. It's like anytime you do anything remotely unpleasant, your sin will find you out. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, yeah. So – but, I mean, it it definitely does uh, – we had to get we've had to get rid of music. So like if I add music to my phone, that my dad has control over it, he'll delete them. I'm like, well, that's a good song. He's like, well, it's explicit then. So if if it has the the e, he usually deletes them, uh, which I mean, and it sucks because some of the songs are really good. And as a teenager, I mean, I can't. I mean, I can, but I don't want to listen to worship all the time. Like sometimes I just want to like listen to something like I don't know, groovy or. <laughs> Uh, not evil. <laughs> Your sin will find you out. Yeah, I guess Ruby music is evil. Uh, but yeah, there's 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 stuff thrown out. Definitely, they don't throw irrational stuff out though. They like, used to take away like we couldn't not take away, but we couldn't like go to school dances in middle school. Yeah, I guess they had bad experiences with school dances growing up. But now we can go because we're huh. in high school. So yeah, but luckily, I mean they're fun. They're but, fun. Uh, I think I'm glad that they've, they went through that because they know the type of stuff that can happen there. Uh, another thing is like boys and girls coming over. It's very, very picky. And if, if there is a guy coming over or if there's a girl coming over, it's like, okay, Aubrey, Isaiah's having his friends over. You need to stay upstairs. Or Aubrey is having her friends over. Isaiah, stay in the, stay in your room or the basement or something. So it definitely depends. They want us in the best, best situation for ourselves. But by doing that, sometimes we don't remember that that's our best thing. So like whenever we got our phone taken away, that was the best thing for sure. And I think that's a big part of how me and Aubrey got close again. Like like you said, you like that. But uh, we were we were distancing when she was with that group. And then she got her phone taken away. And then she had to spend time with me. So uh, <laughs> it, was, it was good to become closer and closer. But yeah, that's how. I love that. I have a 16-year-old son who's going to pastor this church after me, and I've seen it in my spirit. He's going to take it to the next level. It's going to be one of the largest, most influential churches on earth. He's going to write books that sell millions of copies and impact millions of lives. So the stakes are too high. Like, part of when I heard Sean say that on Sunday, part of it gave me goosebumps. Like, although Sean calls it something different. What does Sean call it? Goosebumps? He calls it goose or 
scared flesh. What is? How does he talk about goosebumps? He, he has sure. different words for it. Anyway, yeah, he's different words. He has for like a, a Canadian stuff. word yeah. for yeah. it. <laughs> anyway, it gave me goosebumps. I was like, oh my gosh, that must be that's electrifying. But then I thought, and then I thought that that's so cool to have someone speak that kind of something over you, that kind of hope. But then I thought, boy, what kind of pressure is that? Like, what if you? What if you? What if you don't? Like what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what? If, you know what I mean? So like when the first like when was the first time you heard him say those things? I think he's he's always seen it in me. Just I don't know. It's just, he's always kind of had that idea, and I've kind of gotten I've kind of thought about it more as I've grown up, and um, I think it'd be awesome, and I think it'd be super cool. It is a lot of pressure for sure. But when you think about him and how much time he spends with God, how much just he knows about the Bible and how much knowledge he has, and then how much he reads about prophecies and all that different stuff, and then he prophesies that over me. It's like, it's kind of cool to to hear that. It, it definitely is definitely nerve wracking because it's like, well, what? Yeah, like you said, what if I don't? And I don't know. I know. I feel like sometimes I think about it like I don't what if I don't what if I can't what if I'm not good enough what if I don't want to but I know right now I I couldn't anyways so I have to think about it as when I'm grown I could do it but as of right now it's st- that's still an option I think it'd be amazing but I definitely would have to grow more to get there but yeah. I mean, I'm not really, if I'm being completely honest, I'm not really sure. Cause like right now I have so many dreams. Like I want to play football in college and then I, I just want to play for as long as I can. Cause that's what I love. And I just want to be an athlete. And so then I think about that, like maybe it's pushing the athlete out by, out by him saying that, but really maybe it's just saying, what if you did it afterwards? So it's kind of like a, another thing I could do rather than pushing my dreams aside, I think he's kind of just adding on to what my dreams could be. So I think after, after I'm done with football, yeah, it's definitely a cool option for sure. I have a 15-year-old daughter who's going to be one of the most influential worship leaders in the world, and I believe her albums are going to be played in millions of homes. She's going to write songs that are sung in churches all over the world, and so the stakes are too high. I have high hopes for my kids. Like, I feel like... Like, like there's so much that I want for them. And, you know, certainly you want them to be happy and you want them to be successful and you want them to be loved, you know, and, and everything else. And, you know, I don't know, there are things that I could imagine a being, yep, for sure. There's things that could be imagined or like, there are the things I could imagine Ray doing. Yep. 100%. But like, he's so specific. Sean is yeah. Aubrey when he's talking about like your thing and like, Again, part of me is like, I'm so excited for Aubrey, and I got to sit down and talk to her for a second. Like, and I just feel like that's a thing. But then, like, I wonder, does it <clears throat> is it is it a thrill to hear your dad say that, or is it a threat to hear your dad say that? Um, I think both. It's just like it is a lot of pressure. Like Isaiah was saying, like. My dad said one of the most influential worship leaders in the world. In the world, he said. Holy crap. <laughs> like, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's what I want to do. Like, I'm on the worship team for Catalyst. But, like, you know, like, I want to be a worship leader, obviously. And I want to, like, 
use my talents to impact other people and like better them. But like at the same time, it's like whole like in the world. That's a lot. Millions of homes, I think you said your records yeah. would be in. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's definitely just like to live up to that, you have to like, like Isaiah was saying, you have to grow and like you have to plant seeds in your early life. Like listening to worship music, for me at least, because like worship leader, you know, it, you have to like listen to worship music when you can. Like if you're like getting ready in the morning, turn on some worship music, think about it. Like take time aside for God and just like to talk to him and listen to him and all that, just so that you can kind of like grow in like, I don't know, like you can't just decide one day I'm old enough to be a worship leader. Now I want to do it and just go on stage. Like you can't just go on stage and sing like you can, but you won't have an impact. Like you have to have a real connection with God that you had to like, develop over time for people to feel that with you. Yeah. I feel like you're kind of lucky in that path in that, I mean, obviously you're surrounded by, you know, renowned, you know, speakers and leaders and everything else, but then you also have an uncle, right. That's Mm -hmm. a worship leader, right. That's making music on his own, like writing worship on his own. And so that, you know, that's got to provide some kind of guidance or, inspiration for you? Yeah, I'm super blessed that I have that in my life. Like my dad sings, my uncle sings, my aunt sings, but she doesn't like to tell people that. No kidding, really? I mean, she doesn't sing, but I've heard her around the house and I've been like, dang, Cece, you're good, you know? So I just have like a lot of people in my life that I can like ask questions and like look up to. Like I've gotten my first instruments instruments from Brian. Like I have a guitar and a piano from him. So it's just been like super awesome to have that kind of influence in my life. That's cool. Scripture says that once they got their home ready to receive Jesus, watch what happens. It says, Jesus went into where the child was. He took her by the hand and he said to her, Taitha Kaum. Taitha Kaum, it's, it's Aramaic. Say it with me, Taitha Kaum. Taitha kaum, taitha kaum. It means get up. He was saying, little girl, get up. And when Jesus said those words, when he said taitha kaum, he was speaking life over her. What if we started speaking life? What would happen, friends, if we stopped speaking death and started speaking life? Like, I know that Sean's kind of a showman. Like, I feel like part of, like, part of his... uh, like what makes him amazing, not only, I mean, certainly 90% of it is his, like the depth and the fact that he at the same time can speak with authority and with authenticity. Like, I feel like not a lot of people can do both. Like, I feel like his ability to be transparent and genuine in the moments where he's, you know, being super duper deep about scripture. Like I'm just moved by that. And I feel like the last 10% is like the showman that he is, right? The singer performer guy that he is. Like, I feel like he knows what he's doing you know, in those regards, like even in the video, like where he, like he does Taitha Kaum like five times, right? Like every time he like, you just get a little bit more chilled and a little more chilled and he's got his hands out and he's like, I don't know, it's super powerful. And I love that about him. And so it really like, but what it, and the impact that it has on me then is that it, boy, it makes me really think about and consider what he's talking about in this 
Aramaic phrase of Taitha Kaum, where it's girl, little, it's just get up, but like little girl, get up. Like, I just, I love that. And I, you know, I was, I was posting about this and it made me think of the Rachel Hollis book of girl, wash your face. And like how you're supposed to read that book. No, you're not supposed to read that book. Yes. Read the book, but read it with subtitles or something like I, I know all that. And like, I just feel like girl, get up even is even better for me than girl, wash your face. Like, I don't like get up. And it made me think of like, like Sean says about like speaking life into the things in my life. And um, sometimes we just, sometimes we just something, it feels like something in our lives is dead and we just leave it to be dead. And we don't try to get it to get up. Like we give up on it. We give up on our things. And I feel like that's what that means to me. Taitha Kaum to me means don't just let it die. And so like, it's worth fighting for. So if, you know, in your marriage or your relationships, if you feel like it's dead or dying, don't just give up on it, fight for it, like speak life over it. If you feel like you have a crappy job and like, it's not going anywhere or whatever, like Taitha Kaum, like speak life over it, get up or your finances or I don't know, anything like how you feel about yourself. Some people are so down on themselves and they just feel so broken or so hopeless. And like, there's nothing more important to speak life over than that. And so I wonder, like, when you guys were watching that and your dad was all super tight, the kauming, right? <laughs> like, what kind of, like, what occurred to you or what, you know, what kind of impact did that have on you? Um, I mean, he speaks so much life over us. I mean, he spoke about it in the last segment that we talked about about how he's just saying those things about us and it's speaking life. So when he's saying get up, I feel like he's kind of, when he says that stuff to us, he's saying get up and like go do this. Go go do what you can. Go believe because God has his hand on you. So when he's he's putting his hands out, I feel like he's kind of pointing towards us to like like go do it. Like you know you can do this. You've got this. So like we'll, I'll get texts from him, and I, I know he sends them to Aubrey as well. And it's like, I love you so much. I believe in you. Like I know you can do what you want to do. Your dreams are accomplishable. And it's like, it's so awesome to have that because I know a lot of people didn't have that or don't have that, like in their life they didn't have someone that spoke life over them, and so then they don't feel like they can do that type of stuff. But I feel like it just had that on me it was the the get up and you've got this and so it's like if my dad or anyone else is going to say hey you got this I can't even imagine what God is thinking I mean he's sitting there and he made us for a purpose and then people are speaking life over us in this world of hate people are speaking life over us I can't imagine what the all-loving God is saying about us like we are, we're so doubtful on ourselves. Like you said, like, I mean, we can get on ourselves, but God is like, no, I, I made you to do this and so much more. You just got to take to come and just, I, however you say it, just get up and do it. <laughs> yeah. Like just speak life over your relationships. Like as I was saying, like be supportive. I've had so many friends that have like these dreams that, I mean, they're like big dreams. Like I have a friend, she really wants to be a doctor and her parents are just like, I mean, your grades are slipping, like maybe have a backup plan. And like, there's nothing wrong with having a backup plan. But 
I don't know, like be supportive and like completely like if someone wants to do something, like tell them that they can do it. And like, like my dad, he's so supportive and he's just like always there for us. And that just like, if you're always there for someone, it's just going to help them and raise them up like God. Yeah, no, that was great. I feel like, you know, that's what I was actually thinking of as you were wrapping up there. Like, I just feel like as great of a dad is as Sean is, and like undubitably, that's true, right? Like, I just feel like that's the absolute truth. And like, and then she wondered like, well, where does Sean learn that from? And I know that he loves and respects his dad. And he certainly loves and respects uh, your mom's dad. Like, and so I know like he learned things from them, but like, I know for sure that he models his fatherhood after uh, God, right? And God's fatherhood. And I just, you know, and like you said, if, if, if our earthly father can do that, like how much more does our heavenly father do? And I feel like we lose it. Like we know that those words are in the Bible, like God's support of us and how much he loves us and values us and encourages us and says, forget about a backup plan. Let this be the plan. There is no plan B. Let this be the plan. I feel like God's totally that kind of dad to us. And it says it in the word. And we just, I don't know, like we, mistake the word for Bible verses, or we mistake the word for things we memorize. And there's like life in that Bible. And it's like, and it's specific to me and it's specific to you. And like, we should pick the Bible up and look at it like it's for us and not like it's for everybody because it's specifically for us. Anyway, thanks you guys, Isaiah and Aubrey for joining us for Chew on That, our podcast recapping uh, Sunday's sermon. We hope you join us next week as we do more of the same. Uh, Hope you guys have a great day.